0: This is Sheena Engel with Four Construction Pros, getting ready to interview Murray Rice of Richard and Rice Construction on workers' compensation and the risks involved or faced by general contractors and construction company owners when subcontractors are inadequately insured. We'll just jump right in. Um, What are some of the biggest problems you've noticed with subcontractor workers' compensation coverage, um, is it more often a complete lack of coverage or an insufficient amount of coverage, or have you found that both issues are common?
1: If the workers are being miscategorized, then um, obviously that's one way for the contractor to, to you know, fraudulently save money, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And it, that's one, one piece of it. So, one of the things we do is we require all of the, uh, well, we entire, the entire policy. We have to see all the, all the, um, um, declaration pages, everything. We don't know that they are, uh, assigned to the correct categories. And we, we tell them, you know, in all of our contract documents, hey, you know, this is the code that we expect for carpentry. This is what we expect for masonry. This is what we expect for, you know, whatever category it is. So that way um, when we get the policies back, presumably they, they are correct. And then we also do one step further in our internal process when we process for payment, we look at the cost code uh, for the type of work that's being done and with that we tag the comp code so that in the event that something they did some work and it was processed through our system, It'll flag it because then we also enter in, you know, for that vendor, we'll, we'll enter in what what comp codes they um, are signed up for, so that that way, in the event that they do that, it flags it and says, "Oh, hey, they're not assigned; uh, they don't have the right uh, comp code for this, this classification of work." So to prevent, uh, you know, uh, payment being made uh, in an effort to try to get it corrected. So really, Alex, that's what you do is you 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 would notify the vendor and say, hey, uh, for this type of work, you need to give us a declaration page that shows that uh, you indeed do have the correct coverage for your workers. So Mm -hmm. that's that's part A. And then part B is that you find uh, in the construction industry, you have situations where, uh, you know, presumably some of their employees could be paid under the table. You you always have situations where and that's you know, probably the biggest problem. Um, so, what we do in an effort to circumvent that is per our contract, we let our vendors know hey, uh, you need to provide us with your payroll roster every week updated. So, mm. from that, we conduct um, random audits every day. We have a compliance officer, it's all she does. So, she'll, you know, she onboards the contractors and and she uh, manages and documents all of these uh, payroll losses. And then at random, each day, she'll apply our field staff. If uh, this subcontractor is working on a job site today, uh, you need to audit it. So our <clears throat> superintendent then takes a form, brings it to the foreman for, for that company on site, and has them fill out the names of the employees and sign it and then that's sent uh, back to our office where our science officer then cross-checks it against the payroll roster. So what that does is it, uh, it, it will shine a light on if anybody on the is working, uh, that they are on the roster, and then therefore would be covered on work comp. So that's, that's kind of the, the way the process works. And then you have uh, distinctions between... Uh, you know so some, some some countries use payroll company and then they they purchase just a, a standard you know what I call blanket work comp policy where they can just report all their wages in which classification and then they pay the premium based on that then you have leasing situation where employee leasing is the kind of a co- employment situation where uh the payroll um you know, all the payroll taxes and the work premium are all paid through the payroll company. And then, you know, for a fee and also for what a premium amount is uh, for those workers that work that day or that week. So whenever they, they hire them, or, you know, whenever they uh, do work, an employee, they report that, that individual on the payroll. And if as long as he's on that payroll that week, then, he does have work comp coverage and what you have often you'll see is situations where uh, with the leasing situation, um, if if an individual worker is injured um, and he was not on that payroll, then he has no work comp coverage. He's automatically excluded from the the subcontractor uh, work comp and that individual then by statute goes up to the next tier. So, that, that would then uh, come to us, for example, if we had hired that subcontractor and he was using employee leasing and did not have that, that person on the payroll, that individual would come to our work comp and our work comp um, insurance would have to pay for it. So mm. that's, okay. that's really the two, the two big ones.
0: And now when you look at obviously your company, Really, like you said, you have someone whose entire job is to validate and and verify that everyone has the proper coverage, as far as maybe companies that don't do that, companies that you know, what are some of the the liabilities, some of the small risks, and then you know all the way up to maybe some of the biggest risks faced by um, general contractors, construction companies that do not take the time to you know verify and validate that subcontractors are adequately covered, that they have the right kinds of workers' compensation. Right.
1: Well, okay, so first and foremost is that you, in a situation where if there's no coverage for that worker, then it does go to your, uh, in, you know, say in my case, my work comp policy. So as soon as that becomes a loss for, for us, I mean, the direct financial implication is, is that our mod rate would change, in a mod, I don't know if you know what that is, um, I mean, it, it, I'm speaking pretty much strictly of Florida-based, I don't know what the rest of the country does, but, um, the mod will, based on the amount of loss you have at each year, they calculate your mod, and there's a number of other factors that go into it that I'm not really clear on, but I do know that if you have loss, losses in your work comp, you know, where there's... In uh, lost wages or injury or whatever it happens to be, um, they take that multiplier and um, and they will modify your premium. So if your premium is say thousand dollars and you've had loss a whole bunch of losses, then you may have a, a mod factor of, of one point one. So you're paying ten percent above what the normal premium would be because you've had these additional losses.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And just conversely, if you don't have any losses. Then your mod uh, is reduced dramatically. Like I think our mod right now is 0.74. From and and think of one time we even had a 0.6 in the within the 0.6 range. So that's a significant reduction in your direct work comp expense. So it's, mm-hmm. you know it's important to do that. And then not to mention that there's um, the the actual loss itself. So if an individual is, is injured, then you have all those additional Expenses that, that now become your responsibility when it really should be your subcontractors' responsibility. So, um, it's extremely important, uh, to, to monitor and check this stuff because financially it could be a, a very, a very big deal. And then on the general liability side, that's a whole other, uh, host of issues. Uh, I don't know if you want to go into that or not, but, that, um, that can also cost you.
0: Welcome you to expand on that. Um, you know, before I, I've been a journalist for about ten years now. Before I got into journalism, I actually was an insurance agent. So I didn't work. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't work directly with workers' comp. I did um, property and casualty. But you know, it's it's kind of the same thing. It's it, you're not so much dealing with you know subsidiaries, people that work for you, but obviously, you know, you have. If, if you're bitten by a really big homeowner's claim or even a car accident where you have to pay out, um, you know, medical expenses, obviously, you know, right. you can start with an IS score. That, that's like a mod in workers comp. The IS score, you can start with a one and that's like excellent credit, no claims on your record, insurance company hasn't had to pay out, but you can go all the way up to an IS 16, which it dramatically affects your rate. Of course, you know, every claim, right adds up and then the next year you could absolutely skyrocket. So it's similar yeah, the um, in the same sense, but then of course, you know, with your, with your business liability, it's, it's obviously a much bigger deal because you're dealing with, um, you know, your entire income, your entire business that you've, you've probably spent your life building. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. It does. It could jeopardize your entire business. Right. But, uh, that's
0: very and so you know, I know you talked about having someone on staff to validate and verify. Is, is there any other advice that you would have for, for construction company owners to, you know, just really make sure that they protect themselves?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, okay, so with the, uh, with the general liability, it's also very important to get um, all of the policy documents and mm-hmm. thoroughly review them. You want to make sure that they have... Um, like in our case we do probably 95% of our work is residential related so we work for um, national home builders um, in and in a whole slew of them specifically. so at the end of the day what we see happening and this is honestly I, I find it fraudulent and I'm not really sure why it hasn't been dealt with but we have new mom and pop companies that we hire um, you know some of them are larger some of them may have 50 or 100 employees some of them have 10 employees so what you have happen is um in an effort for them to save money the agent will sell them a policy which has a residential exclusion which means there's no coverage on residential work so Mm -hmm. they're buying a general liability policy that has no coverage so they've paid maybe they had maybe it was 75% 75% cheaper than, than the standard policy. I'm not even sure what the dollar amounts are, but it, it must be enough that um, they feel compelled to it. So what happens is these, these companies don't even realize that they don't have the correct coverage, or, uh, or sometimes the, the residential exclusion is structured in a situation like this, that um, you have coverage for the first, say, 20 units. So if you're on a, a specific... Community and it's per project. So if you're a certain project, you know a, a development, and they build the first 20 houses, well, you have liability coverage on those first 20. But after that, the 21st and beyond, there is no coverage. So it's a kind of a convenient way to to kind of fool the the, the smaller companies into believing that they have the right coverage when in fact, you know, in the details of their policy, it's saying uh, there's residential exclusion and you have a limit of 20. So we can actually track those. So we have maybe a handful of subcontractors that, that don't, don't believe us. You know, they're kind of of the opinion of, well, I'm not going to spend the extra money for that, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, so we monitor them every week. We look at it and say, okay, well, they've done, you know, 15 units on this particular project, so they're, they're okay. And as soon as they uh, kind of hit their quota, we, uh, we can't use them. So it's just, you know, it only benefits them. But on the on the flip side of it is, if you had this company working and there was a loss, it, it goes directly to you. Their insurance company is out. They're they're out of the out of the place, mm-hmm. um right off the bat. So that can be you know could be a very expensive product. especially if it's a big loss. If there's a, you know God forbid something, uh, you know I can't even imagine, but whatever those kind of things it costs it costs a lot. I and mean, then if you have uh, a high deductible. Uh, say, 10000 or 20000 on your policy, well, you have to put the bill for the deductible at the very least, and then that's a bit it exceed the policy limits. I mean, that's, that's when it becomes a big problem. So anyway, that's, that's the other thing. That's the other piece that we do on the general liability
0: side. Right. And it doesn't just, you know, obviously it affects your company, and it, it makes it harder to find subcontractors that are properly covered. And as you said, you have to sort of cut them off work once they've hit, if, if they have those residential right. exclusions. But it also hurts subcontractors because they're basically getting a policy that doesn't allow them to work up to a certain level. Yeah. Um, so
1: that's really that's the, the worst part about
0: it. Right. They think they're saving money, but really they're just kind of shooting themselves in the foot with a policy that yep. doesn't cover them properly. Right.
1: They think they have covered, and they don't have any coverage. Right. So you know, to them, that and that's where I just can't believe that that, is allowed to go on. It's very aggravating. It really is. It you know creates, it creates some situations where where these people can you know really get hurt, damaged, lose the business, whatever in just you know bad situation.
0: It it seems like a policy that shouldn't even exist. The residential exclusions. I mean, because it's right. like it's it's sort of like when you look at car insurance. Like when you have. Um, when someone gets just what they need to be legal on the road. Well, it doesn't really protect right. them at all if anything happens. Um, right. z- z- there's almost no point in having it besides just saying, you know, here it is, I have it, because you can't really do anything with it. You're not really, you know, adequately yep. covered at all. Um, well, that Sorry. is... Yeah, I, I mean, that's, yeah. that's a great example, but you,
1: know, you think about it... You know, you're buying your on-wheel coverage. You're paying a premium for it. You're doing you're doing everything you're supposed to do, and then, in the fine language, it says, "Well, if you're driving uh, a pickup truck, exactly, you don't have any coverage.
0: Exactly, so, you
1: know, have a nice day." So it's just
0: you know that kind of thing. So, or you know, in the at least in North Carolina, I know that the lowest I think property damage you can buy is twenty five to thirty thousand. Well, when a couple mm-hmm. of vehicles are totaled, you know. And, and people get hurt, so they, they have like medical expenses and comp claims and oh. it exhausts so quickly and, you know, they're left holding the bag because the insurance company has covered their agreed upon limit and, and there's just, I right. always looked at those policies and said this shouldn't even be legal to carry because people are just basically out there uninsured even though they're paying, you know, a slight premium per month or per right. six months. And now I had a couple more questions, but thankfully you actually covered them in your first section. So um, lastly, I'll just say, you know, outside of what you've already talked about, do you have any other advice or, you know, notes for people in your business that you would like to provide on the call?
1: You just have to be vigilant, you know, vigilant with monitoring. Uh, that's, that's all you can do. You know, we actually, we have an app that we developed for our superintendents, which, you know, we do for scheduling and for payment processing and whatnot. But in that app, we actually we actually uh, highlight uh, the number of employees that each subcontractor has so mm. that our guys in the field can, at a quick glance, you know, see that number. And if they see more employees, that subcontractor, on-site, it kind of sends up a warning flag. So we're not only doing audits, but we have just that kind of a quick, test to see to make sure that there's no gaps to, that nobody's flipping through um at any time and it's simply to put the processes that you that uh, that the need the requirement so you know this kind of activity is going on you, you have to take steps to be able to catch it and prevent it so that's what uh you know that's what we do and now got exactly, it's all systematic and it works. Uh, it works very well. It works very efficiently. You know? And then I, I wouldn't say that it's an additional cost burden to us now. I mean, in the beginning, kind of, kind of, you know, a little bit rocky, but you know, because people don't understand, and they just push that But we've been doing it for a few years now, and you know, everybody, everybody's on board, and it, it works well. So.
0: I think that's a really smart way to cover yourself too. Just to look at the number of employees a subcontractor has, and just to know to be kind of scanning, counting, doing like a quick head count. Because I think in those kind yeah. of projects, it's really common for a subcontractor to just grab a couple extra guys to to get a job no, done quicker. Yeah, that's, absolutely. And you know, if they're if just there's out there like manpower
1: coming. required that day. They they pull the guys or in or they'll or they'll sub sub. In other words, they'll maybe they're friends with another company and they'll well you know, sub these guys. Like, hey, well, I'll, you know, I'll pay you this amount of money, which is completely illegal. You can't do that. So, and that's where, um, you know, having that visibility and that communication, and you know, we update this thing in real time. As soon as we get our updated uh, roster, um, our compliance officer, team presented in our system, and automatically refreshes to the app, and it, um, you know, it's a, it's a great thing. It's a great tool, I'll tell you that. It's very, been very helpful.
0: Absolutely, and when they sub-sub, it's so much harder for you to, to, to check who's out there and what they're doing, so as long as you're on top of it, and well, that keeps you ahead of the game, Yeah, really. as
1: soon as, as that situation comes up, I mean, it's immediate. I mean, if we find out that one of our subcontractors has sub we fire we fire them. So, you know, you do have, you know, through our audit process, what we see is that you have just a lag between the hire date and when the paperwork gets updated, and it could be in one to two weeks. So if you have a situation where they have a new hire or two that come on and they're flagged in the audit, then we send those guys home and say, hey, send, us, send them home and then please send us the updated roster right away. And mm-hmm. almost, almost every time we'll get the updated roster, same day or the next day, and everything's fine. The guys can come can back to work or whatever. So um, the process works and it protects us.
0: So. Right. And even people that get frustrated about it, they may not realize it at the time, but you're protecting them, too. I mean, you're making sure oh, that, yeah. that they're covered properly. Yeah. Nobody's out there just, just working, yeah. you know, without, without coverage or without the proper coverage.
1: So, you know, a lot of times, it's because it's so complicated that not, I mean, it takes years to learn this, to figure out all the pitfalls. And, you know, you got you know, smaller companies, and they don't really have the resources to... Do the due to diligence. They rely on an insurance agent to give them the right guidance and provide them with the right coverage, and they don't do it. And then, right. then it falls to us because we've seen it now and, uh, that we've watched and we, we monitor. All we require is you know, a certain amount of information. And from that, we can kind of better the, the industry. Let's put it that way. And that's, Absolutely. That's really, what it boils down to. Until there's changes in Florida law that would. You know, perhaps you could uh, take all of the work comp and push it all the way up to the owner level of the project. Um, you know, something like that. There are there are programs that do that kind of thing, but generally you don't see it in residential construction. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and it was it was very similar in my former business because I would have people coming in looking to you know change policies. They were with maybe a different company, and. I just said, oh, my, I would look at what coverage that they were coming to me with, and I truly couldn't believe an insurance agent had written the policy, you know. Like, well, you think they're helping great. you. You think they're helping you, but they're, they're not. And I can promise you my quote's but, going to come in higher, but it's because this coverage is something I feel comfortable sending you out on the road with. Yeah. Well, that's
1: just, you know, the, you the part of it, that just, it isn't really fair to these, these smaller companies, mm-hmm. you know, they're relying on an agent to give them proper information, and they're getting sold something that's almost virtually um, worthless. And exactly. I'll be honest with you; I think it really falls to the insurance companies themselves. It's their it's, it's their way of writing policies that they know they're never going to have a claim on.
0: I completely it's
1: agree. It's a, definitely a it's a, it's a, it's a scam. It is, mm-hmm. denied coverage, you know, if there's things that happen, even in our policies, and we're here vigilant with our, you know, to make sure we have right coverages, and, and still, they just come back and said, well, sorry, you don't get coverage because of this little clause or exclusion or some nonsense that they put in it. It's just it, it, it's
0: so frustrating. Exactly, and that's exactly, that's a good point, because that is exactly why it's important to have the most adequate coverage possible, because then when you know even then when a claim happens you could end up dealing with an adjuster that's an absolute pain about it so if you have the very best coverage you can have then then hopefully you can circumvent those kinds of issues or at least have an agent that's on your side and sort of dealing with the adjuster and making sure that they you know they live up to their end of the bargain so to speak really appreciate your time today this has been a great conversation